Drogba in der Mitte, Schneider, Schneider, Merhaba and welcome to episode 34 of the Lion's Den, a Galatasaray podcast done for the community, by the community. Today you got me, Yasin, as your co-host. And I specifically say co-host because the last time I was here and I was hosting, in parentheses, I also had John from Canada with me and let's just say it wasn't really me hosting, it was kind of, you know, we shared the responsibilities, it was a two-guy team and today you're going to get the same thing. But I am clarifying that it is co-hosting. So, John, welcome. I'm glad to have you, bro. How's, how's it going? Good, good, man. Glad to be here. Happy Halloween to you, everyone listening. Uh, just the two of us. I guess the other guys are trick-or-treating. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it should be a good time. Like like last time, man. Yeah, and I, I apologize if it's a disappointment to the listeners. You know, we have six guys on the team. And once again, it's just two of us. But schedules have been all over the place. People are sick. Like John says, some guys are trick-or-treating. So we do have the Derby next week and, you know, everybody's going to want to be on that. Hopefully we do have a full team, if not close to it next week. So look forward to that. But uh, today's podcast is going to be, you know, discussing our last game against Perlo and his guys at Fatih Karambruk and, you know, how we did. Uh, it was a 2 nothing game. We're going to talk about the player performances, how we did, you know, some of the weaknesses that we had and eventually make our conversation into next week's game as i said which is i would say you know our, our first real big derby of the season uh not including Trabzonspor. it's going to be at home so there's a lot to talk about with that too um with that said john I'll, I'll leave it to you to do your thing with the uh i guess the match overall high level and what you thought of the first half if you don't mind take it away yeah yeah let's do it so this was round 12 of the super league we were away to fatih karagumruk uh, this was a 2 nothing win, as you said. Uh, goals came from, surprisingly, Emre Tashdemir and Juan Mata. I'll go through the starting 11 and some stats for everybody. Starting 11, we started with Muslera. Like I said, Emre Tashdemir starting his first match in left back. Emin Bayram in place for Abdul Kerim. Uh, Victor Nelson, Dubois in place for Sasha Boy. Uh, Sergio Oliveira, Lucas Torreira, Kerem. Mertens, Rashica, and Icardi starting up front. We had 70% possession, mostly due to having the man advantage, which we'll, we'll touch on, but 70 to 30% possession, 35 shots in total. Unbelievable. <laughs> Opposed to the eight for Fatih Karagumruk. And we had the XG of just under four, 3.93 for our XG. Um, let's get into the match performance then. Uh, yeah. first half, uh, we started honestly at the end of the, the last pod that we recorded, I think I predicted a three, nothing win for us, but I expected that to be played out a little bit differently. Like I really thought that after the, uh, the refing and officiating fiasco of the last game, I thought we were going to come out really strong, really fast, but I don't know. I, we were a little bit disappointing, I think, coming coming out of the gates. Um, I expected a little bit better, but the match changed very early in the 30th minute. Um, Fatih Karagumruk had a player that was sent off for a, a challenge on Lucas Torreira, and we played the rest of the match with a man advantage. So there wasn't really much action in the first half. There was a couple chances we had that were missed. Um, little bit of a back and forth game. Like it was really nothing special. I, like I said, I expected us to start a little bit better in that regard, but the red card changed everything. <laughs> Yasin, are you surprised that finally we went to VAR? Not, not only did we go to VAR, they gave us the decision. Man, it took 11 weeks for us to see what that VAR was all about. I was starting to forget what VAR actually was in this league. And I mean, listen, they, we saw the replay and I'm thinking, okay, that's a definite red card. And he's definitely not going to go to VAR. That was literally my thought process during this whole thing. And to see him go and watch the replay was so comforting, to say the least, after everything that's been going over the last few weeks. 
it was a super easy decision. I don't know if you saw the ref, but you know he's he's looking at the replay. We see what he's watching too on our screen. And as soon as we saw that replay of like the you know I thought it was basically on his foot at first, but then there's a replay that shows it on Torres' ankle slash yeah. like pretty much shins, and that is like a no-brainer. Ref saw that he immediately turned around and gave the red card, and you know. Thank God for the red card. Thank God for VAR because, as you were just mentioning, I don't know how this game would have shaped up exactly. with how we were playing if we were not a man up. Because, you know, it's in Istanbul. You made a great point. Everything that's been going on, you think that players are a little bit fired up. Last week, Okan Buruk, after the, you know, after the game, he's like, look, you know, whatever is being tried, you know, whatever y'all are trying to do, you can keep trying on it. Galsa is going to work harder and harder and trying to prove everybody wrong. And I, th- and I read that as like, okay, we're going to come back even stronger next time. And I didn't get that vibe. You know, it, it wasn't like a chaotic away experience where the stadium is full and we're in like some random city in Turkey and it's just hostile. That wasn't the case. It was in Istanbul. And I would say there was more Galsai fans and, you know, their fans there. So right. everything was kind of shaped up to be a game that favored us. The pitch was amazing. Um, and it didn't look like that. So it was a little bit disappointing. But... Man, thank God for that red card. I'm glad that Torreira didn't get hurt. But if that if that didn't happen, I'm really curious how the game would have shaped up after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it wasn't the most promising start. So thankfully, we were sort of blessed with that red card and then could sort of take control of the match after that. Um, that was uh, about 10 minutes before halftime. And interestingly enough, the half started and we immediately took off Kedem. We started the second half with uh, Badish who came in. What do you think of that? I, I, I think, I, like for me, I think it was a pretty good, um, a pretty good change. Well, you we have to keep in mind as well, Kedem was trying to avoid the yellow uh, to not miss the derby next week. So there's that. And Badish also, you know, has that explosive sort of trait that might have been helpful to, you know, play in space uh, considering they, were, they would be a man down, right? Do you think that was a good change right at the start of the second half for uh, for Okan? For sure. I liked it. You know, um, as we just said, you know, the first half, we didn't really look convincing and something wasn't necessary to be changed. Kenan was clearly the weak link in our attack or lack of ability to score. Rashika, you know, has been great. We'll talk about him in more detail later, but Kenan has been a bit off. I was hoping... He would give a similar performance to our game last week, which was at home. You know, he actually did really well. But because right. of, you know, the referee performance last week, he kind of threw the whole team off. And Kerem, unfortunately, took a knock on his performance from that too. But I expected a little bit better from Kerem. And I, Okan read that really well. Uh, I, I've criticized Okan here and there for his changes, you know, whether that's tactically or the players that he puts in or takes out. But... I thought that was a really good sub. Uh, Barish Alper, you know, he might not be the most technical player. He might not be the player with the best IQ, but he keeps defenders busy. And when players are trying to defend him and they're actually near him, you know, he has that physical ability to really tire them out as well. He's always moving. Uh, So I thought that was a good sub. And I was kind of going to ask you the same thing. You know, we had Barish Alper on the bench and you had Yunus Akun. Did you maybe prefer to see Yunus Akun at that time? Or did you like that sub as well? Yeah, I I was a fan of the sub, honestly. I don't mind seeing Badish come into a sort of a, you know, that that type of role in the team where if we need a little bit more pace or, you know, like I said, that explosive attribute, he can come in, um, he can come into the game. I think he could be a useful player in that regard. Now, I don't I really don't know what's going to happen with uh Yunus. I have no idea because uh we're going to touch on a, a little bit uh, about the winger situation with Rashica, mm-hmm. who's just been unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm not sure where that leaves Yunus anymore. But we've gotten to a point now where we have Kerem, Barish, uh, Yunus, Rashica, it need be, Mertens can play there. So there's a whole lot going on. And I don't think we're going to see that much of Yunus as of right now, at least. We'll see what happens going forward. But um, like like we were just mentioning, we started the second half that way. As you can expect, being a man up, we started to take a little bit more control, really looking for the first goal. There were a ton of misses in the second half, just an absolute ton of misses. I'm going to bring that up in a second, but before we do, the breakthrough came in the 60th minute. Uh, Rashica put sort of a, I guess, short cross, and in, in, he was already in the box, and he sort of just played it across, and Emre Tashdemir came in probably the most surprising person on the pitch to score the most unlikely. <laughs> and it was a header into the ground that bounced uh, in, into the net. 
and we went one nil um, through Emre Tashtimir. What what did you think about that? I was kind of shocked it was him. I didn't re- realize it was him that scored at first. So that yeah. was kind of surprising. But what did yeah. you think about the goal and also how Emre played last game? That's a good question. I mean, Emre touched him. I read a lot of mixed things about him from, you know, people's perspectives too. You know, whether he played great because of his goal or, you know, considering he hasn't played in over a year, he was, you know, supposed to be one of our reserve players, uh, maybe even with the U19s or U21s or whatever you want to call it. He barely played for Get Us in Sport last season on loan and Get Us in Sport is... No, I I am from Gerasun, and it hurts me to say this, but they're a bottom of the table team. They're just not a good team, and to see a player that's on loan not get a lot of minutes there, it's it makes you wonder if this guy is really somebody that we should even have in our squad. If we should give minutes to him, or if we should give minutes to somebody that's 17, 18 years old from our own youth academy, at least invest in our future that way. But mm-hmm. you know, he got the start. Uh, we had Kazim John injured from last week, and you know, for given. Everything. If you look at it holistically, you take everything into consideration. I thought he played all right. You know, there were definitely weaknesses that he had that that day. You know, sometimes I wish he could have pressed a little bit higher. Sometimes his passes were absolutely terrible. You know, people were joking. <laughs> this is like sub reincarnated into yeah. <laughs> But you know, it's funny because people said that Subri also had moments of excellence when he played. And so yeah. did so too did Emre Tashtem in that game. I think in the first half, he was coming down the left side and he had an excellent cross to Icardi who played it off beautifully to Martins who almost scored. I mean, if that if that was a goal, that would have been top three goals of the week in the Super League. You know, that, that was a beautiful little play and that all came from Emre Tashtem on the left side. Um, to, to see him find the goal, I, I was super happy for him. Uh, you know, it, 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 sh- it says a lot when... You score two goals, you, you you miss all these chances, and you look, the first guy that scored for your team is a left back who shouldn't, a lot of people would say shouldn't even be in the team, shouldn't even be in the mm-hmm. squad. So exactly, I was really happy yeah. for him, but it was kind of a funny situation because not only did nobody expect it, if you watch the replay, it actually took a deflection. Like, you know, Rashika did a great job getting that ball, hustling forward, and then put, playing the cross in. Emre Tashtemir's awareness and ability to get into the right spot was excellent. You can't take that away from him. But, you know, he headed the ball into the ground and then it took a deflection off the defender's foot. And that's kind of like what deflected it from where the other defender and the goalie <laughs> couldn't get to it. But a yeah. goal is a goal. You know, when you, when, you sc- when you have, what, 35 shots during the game, you hope and pray that one of these is going to take a deflection or something's going to be in your way because, what, we had 12 shots on target and uh, we had... 12 of them, 12 shots were blocked. You can criticize maybe our accuracy to shoot the ball, but that's a little bit unlucky too when 12 of your shots are getting blocked. So it's nice and, re- you know, it feels good that one of them got blocked towards the goal. Um, what what did you think of his performance? Do you think that, you know, he should stay in as long as, you know, Kazim John is, is not fit? Do you see him saying, do you feel like it was not a great performance where, you know, okay, we saw what we need to see or how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean... I think that, you know, when it comes to Emre Tashtimir, I don't think he was ever that bad. He was just sort of let down by injury issues and things like that. I don't think he was that great, you know, yeah. just historically either. In this match, I thought he was okay. You know, I, I, I've I, sort of accepted the fact that we're not really going to have the best quality uh, on the left side with the ball coming into the box. Like he had a couple good crosses, like the one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There was another one where he, there was kind of, you know, no pressure on him and he sort of sent it into the corner flag. Same thing happened with Kazim John. Same thing's been happening with Van Anholt. So I've kind of just came to an acceptance in that regard. But I think he was okay. And whether Okan is going to go with Emre Tashtemir or Kazim John, I think that they will both need some time to settle in and uh, just sort of get up to speed, you know? So I'm not sure who Okan's going to go with for the Derby. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Emre Tashtemir. I thought that maybe his performance was perhaps a little better than Kazim Jan, um, but it could go either way. I'm not really surprised. For, for me, the important thing is just having a Turkish left back. I really think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll always have the center back in Emin or Abdul Kerim and probably either Yunus or Kerem. So I think that's very important. But I wouldn't mind to see what else he could do. You know, maybe he can improve and actually become a starter for once if he can stay healthy and, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, just a yeah, follow-up question to that because, you know, 
you kind of compared him to Kazumja, but for recency, you know, next week, I think Kazumja is probably still injured. And that leaves mm. us with basically him, mm-hmm. Dubois, which is a foreign right back, or Van Anholt, a foreign player who has been pr- pretty much, you know, sitting the bench or even out of the squad the last few games. So mm-hmm. I think that's another important consideration too. You know, do we do we keep him because he's Turkish or do we play somebody who's more experienced but is a foreigner? So uh, maybe we can talk about that a little bit more detail as we try and craft our starting 11 for next week. But, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, it wasn't a terrible performance. It wasn't great, but... You would hope and think that it's gonna he's gonna build on that as he plays and gets that confidence. Um, exactly. Definitely not. It's definitely not easy to play your first game back in over a year away after such you know uh, controversial moments the past few weeks. So I applaud him for that. Yeah, as as do I. And um, also, I I forgot to mention just before this uh, Emre Tashtimir goal, we had a goal that was ruled out actually by VAR. Um, it came uh, from the corner. Victor Nelson got a, a head on the ball, and um, it was a little bit diff- like it's a little bit difficult to say. The keeper sort of had it in his hand, or maybe didn't quite have control, and we just sort of knocked it into the net. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it appeared like a goal at first, but they did take it to VAR, and it was ruled out. Um, what did you think about that? Was that a foul for you? Do you think was it a good goal? It's, that was tough. That That's not one that I can complain too much about, but I get mm-hmm. it if other people do want to complain about it because mm-hmm. essentially the, the goalie didn't really have great possession of the ball, right? It was, it was kind of juggling all over the place and it was about to go in, but you know he was making his last-ditch effort with both hands to get it out. And that's when Emin Bidam came rushing yes. in. Again, Emin Bidam, you know, this kid's all over the net and in front of it, which is excellent. So he gets in, he he kind of like in the replay, it looks like he kind of pushes the goalie's arm a little bit. The one that's like, you know, his his opposite arm that's about to reach for the ball. It's just like on the line and the slightest bit of contact, but it's there. It, it exists, you know, it's not a lot, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know... The ball goes in, you know, fumbles in. We start celebrating. And then, you know, all of a sudden the ref's listening to VAR. And, you know, it looked like the ball was already over the line, but I think it needs to be 100% over for it to be called a goal. And it was really tough to tell. But the thing is with this situation that I think we need to keep in mind is goalies have special treatment in their own box, especially within the six-yard box. I, I think, I don't know the technical rules of it. I haven't read the rule book in detail. But I'm pretty sure, especially within that six-yard box, goalies have priority over calls and anything that's kind of like iffy, 50-50. And you see this week in, week out, whether it's for us, against us, or you know other teams in the league or other leagues, goalies always have preferential treatment in the six-yard box. And I think that's kind of like what it came down to as well. The, the contact from Evan Bidem was not harsh, but it existed. And because of that, you can argue, okay, goalie would have maybe had a little bit more comfort keeping that ball out. But because Evan Bidem touched him a little bit, the goalie couldn't get it out the way he wanted. And because right. it was his arm that he touched, which is vital to the goalie doing his job, I think that's even more reason for the you know the uh, the ref to call it off. And I have no complaints with it. But you know, I, I did see people saying it should have been a goal. Um, but I can't really complain much about that. I don't know if you think otherwise. Yeah, I almost wish that um, Emin didn't, run into him like I, I honestly <laughs> think it would have went in like I think the keeper would have just fumbled it yeah and it probably would have just found its way in but also keep in mind Viviano the the keeper for Karagumruk did he, like he played unbelievable I don't know what it is about these keepers just I, I I just don't know they just play the performance of their lives against us every single time and uh, I think he made a ton of good saves in this match I, I think on that occasion he might have made a, an error that probably would have costed a goal, but mm-hmm. of course, with our luck, you know, like you said, maybe I mean, uh, touched him, touched his arm a little bit, which which caused the foul, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, before the Emre Tashtimir goal. We did go ahead one nil, which we've just uh, spoke about, and then, um, interestingly enough, in the seventy fourth minute, we brought in the professor Juan Mata. He came in for Mertens. And this is really, really interesting to me. I've already said before, Juan Mata uh, is an incredible player still. I think he should be starting every match, in my opinion. I think 
I'm just such a huge supporter of him. I think the way he plays and just his IQ on the pitch is incredible. He came in in the 74th minute. Did you notice any type of uh, impact or improvement when he stepped on the pitch? It's impossible not to, John. It's It was that much of an impact. And, you know, that's what you expect from your sub. And Mata did that and more. He came on. He started asking for the ball to his feet, immediately distributing one-time passes over defenders, out to the wing for our wingers. It's, it was just, like, incredible how quick he made an impact. And I don't know about you, but it gave me so much comfort right away. I mean, it was one nothing. Yeah. And you know how it is with these Gala games and just the Turkish League overall. You... Your your ass is clenched until the last whistle blows <laughs> yeah. because anything could happen. Whether that's from the ref, a stupid mistake, God, God knows how many we saw last season from players that are no longer on the squad. But it's just anything could happen. So you're you're like waiting for that second goal, especially since we're missing a hundred before that, right? So he came on and it's like, okay, I can take a seat, I can relax a little bit on the couch that I'm sitting in. And know that a goal is going to come sooner or later with a lot more confidence because he's on the pitch. And it, hey, how long did it take? It took him nine minutes. Nine minutes. And in those mi- nine minutes, what were you thinking? What was going on with your mind? I think we were in the chat. And you're like, oh my God, look at this guy, Mata. Yeah. Look like, at the impact I just, he's making. There, there's something about him. Like Even when you just see him on the sideline waiting to come in the match, there's just something. He just has this vibe, like this aura. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. And I pretty much felt the same thing. I really felt like he was going to contribute in some way to us scoring. He ended up scoring the second goal, which I'll get to in a second, but mm-hmm. I totally agree. Like the way he plays, it's it's almost undeniable. And um, I don't know, like I've seen some people saying that they prefer Mertens playing because they find Mata's a little bit of a slower player, mm-hmm. but I, I don't I don't really agree with that, honestly. I feel like he just has so much control and he's so uh, decisive in these matches. Like he knows what he's going to do before he gets the ball and he just he just makes things happen. He's such a good player. I, I honestly wish we could have brought him in a few years ago when he's a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should be utilizing him while he's here, while he's still playing football, man. I really do think he should be a starter for us. I don't know, you know how to work that out exactly. If... He's going to start over Mertens if Mertens is going to play on the wing. Like I would imagine for the money we're paying for Mertens, he would have to be starting most games. Yep. But do you think, how should we use Juan Mata? Should he come in like this and just when we need that impact, he comes in? Should he be playing for 80 to 90 minutes a game? Mm-hmm. What do you think? What's his role? I think for now, while we have Mertens playing the way he is and you know, considering that Mata still is very likely not 100% match fit yet. And we saw that the prior week when, you know, we lost points. But um, I think Mertens is still a very good player. And what Mertens does well that Mata doesn't is his ability to come back and help the midfield. And not just the midfield, but everybody on the field, whether that's Kerem and Yunus or Rashika or Barisha on the wings, or that's Icardi or Gomis or Severovic up top. Mertens, as we mentioned when we first transferred him, it is what it it is how we predicted and he's a joker of a player you know you throw him right in the middle of all our attack in our midfield and he helps everybody just a little bit he increases everybody's performance just a little bit and he doesn't complain about it either some players that play number 10 they're like i'm gonna sit behind the striker and you're gonna give me the ball and then i'll distribute it make a run he mm-hmm. does everything he's a jack of all trades you know and the reason why i also like him over Mata in the lineup especially is because if Sergio's playing, we need a little bit more assistance in the midfield because Sergio, you know, is a separate conversation whether he should play or if he shouldn't or what he brings and he doesn't bring, but he lacks a little bit in that, um, you know, he's not as much of a fighter defensively mm-hmm. as I would say a player like Misho or Berkan is. And that's totally fine because I think his positives, his ability to pass and shoot outweigh those negatives but when you're playing against some tougher teams, having both Sergio and Mata in your midfield and leaving Lucas Torreira by himself to do all the dirty work could get a little risky depending on who you're playing and where you're playing them, you know, whether it's home or away. For so sure. f- for the most part, I would say I'd like to see Dries Martin start and Mata come off the bench. But, you know, does that mean that's what I want all the season? Probably not. I think there's going to be times that 
Icardi might not be fit or, you know, injured or whatever, carded. And maybe I'll prefer to see Mertens play up top as a striker over Seforovic and Gomis. And then we can see Mata. Both of them play together. That, that would be very exciting and nothing wrong with that. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, I hate to say this because I, I don't want to compare the two players, but I put him in the same bucket as Gomis for now where, you know, he's a little bit older. He's not exactly match fit as everybody else. And him coming on in the second half and bringing his experience then would mm -hmm. provide more uh, a positive impact for the team overall. But I, I'd love to be proven otherwise, as always. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you just mentioned um, Gomis, which sort of brings me to my next point. Mm -hmm. A minute before Mata made it 2-0, we had Yunus come on for Rashica and Gomis come in for Icardi. Um, and then the goal came one minute after that with Juan Mata. Now, I wanted to ask you about uh, Rashica. What do you think about Rashica? Should he be a starter for us every match? In my eyes, in two matches that he's started and played, in my eyes, he's cemented a place for himself as a starter in the team. And I think without a doubt, as of right now, he's the best winger that we have and one of our best attacking options. And he created the first goal for Emre Tashtemir and was just an absolute handful for Fatih Karagumruk from start to finish. Do you think, has he earned that place in your eyes? Or do you, th you know, do you, I know you're a big Kerem Yunus fan. You like the young guns. Are they still sort of, you know, hovering around or, or has Rashica taken over officially? Uh, let's just say it this way. When I'm creating my lineup for next week, it's Musleta first, Victor Nelson second, Lucas Torreira third, and Rashica fourth in that order. That's how much of a guarantee I think currently he should be in this team. Because as one of our podcast members two weeks ago by the name of John said, this guy Rashika, he's just a winger. He's yeah. just a winger. And <laughs> John, yeah. I'm quoting you, bro. That was so well said because that exactly yeah. is what he is. And, you know, I think we talked about it multiple times since then. I don't want to repeat the same thing, but you were spot on, brother. Like this guy... He does what Kerem and Yunus do together in one, and I would say is even more of a threat above that. You know, he, he's disciplined. He is aggressive. He, he chases the ball. He can take on a player. He can shoot. He can, you know, he does everything. And I'm, I don't mean to say he's, you know, this excellent player and, you know, he's going to score, you know, a goal every single week, but he keeps the defense busy. He keeps the defense on their toes. And I'm sure the people that are play around him, whether that's Lucas, Sergio, Mertens, or Riccardi, they love playing with him. That mm. that's how excellent he's been, and it makes you wonder where has this guy been until now? Why hasn't <laughs> yeah. he been playing? You know. So I I love him, and I I hope he stays healthy. I hope he just keeps building on this, and he should. Right. This is only his what second game that he's playing. Yeah. You would you would imagine you know the players around him are gonna get used to him even more that. That energy, that you know, chemistry is gonna go up. He's gonna feel more comfortable what, with what he needs to do, and his performance should get better. I'm I'm in a group chat with you know fans of other teams, and when they watched this game on Friday, they said, "Dang, that that Rashika guy is actually pretty good." You know, you guys you guys got him nicely. You know, that that was a good transfer. That's that's the comments that I was reading and hearing. So very makes me happy to see him, and I hope he continues like this. And I yeah. I'm sure I don't have to ask you. I bet you're very happy with him so far <laughs> yeah exactly no you've said everything like he just looks like a winger and he plays like one which we were desperately missing that player that just knows how to use the width properly and um be creative and uh just attack for us we just need that that attacking presence right um now Rashica is i believe on loan from i think it was norwich city one mm -hmm. thing i uh sort of I guess like about this whole loan with Rashica is I really feel like he's trying his best to earn a permanent transfer. You know, I think that he has enjoyed, like it's just a vibe I get. I think he's enjoyed being in Turkey so far. And I think that he can really see himself uh, as a, a Galatasaray player, right? And uh, mm -hmm. maybe he would, he wants to stick around a little longer and, and possibly compete in Europe if we can get back there. And uh, I've been seeing some rumors about that as well. Uh, some uh, fees have been sort of circulating on what we would be willing to pay Norwich for his his permanent transfer. But it's something I would definitely love. 
And again, I really have no idea where that leaves Kerem, Yunus. I, it's a little bit messy considering their age and potential and things like that. So I wanted to ask you as well, what happens to Yunus Akgun after this season? If, if things stay like this and he doesn't really get that many chances and he's just a player that's coming off the bench, you know, between the 80 and 85th minute, where does that leave him at the end of the season? What are we going to do with him? I think it's, you know, it's a good question, but at the same time, I think it's also very early to say anything for sure because, you know, we don't, we don't have to go too many episodes back for you to hear me say that Yunus and Kerem are absolute starters and they're going to do incredible this season. And mm -hmm. so far I've been wrong, unfortunately, and a lot of us have been because they just, they're just on and off. They're just on and off. I don't know if it's the pressure. I don't know if it's, you know, the fact that they know they're Turkish and they can take it a little bit easier. I don't know if it's because, you know, Yunus came with all this pressure. And then you said it, I think two weeks ago, there's like this, maybe there's like some sort of tension between the two on trying to outdo each other. You know, Kerem was our star last season. Now we have Yunus coming in from Adana Demirspor, who played incredible. And now, you know, is Kerem feeling the pressure from there? Is Yunus feeling the pressure that he needs to do the same performance for us? How is their relationship with Okan? You know, is, does he trust them fully? Does he not? There's right. a lot that's still going to go on. It's the 11th week. And the best indicator of how early this season still is, is we just got our first VAR call this week. You know, maybe that's an exaggerated comment because of how crazy things have been from the referee side of things, but it's still very early. And I, I'm curious too, because th there were rumors that Yunus had offers before the season started because of his performance at Adana. I think the numbers I saw were like five to six, maybe seven mil. And you know, some people might take that in a heartbeat today. But maybe after a few performances, I wouldn't be surprised if we're like, hey, 15 mil or get out. Don't don't even talk to me. Right. Yeah. So there, there's a lot going on. And, you know, I mean, all I all I can say conf confidently right now is the way that Rashika is playing. Yunus is not going to smell the field unless he all of a sudden can start playing really well on the left side. Um, you know, it, it, there's competition in this team. And I hope Rashika is a good wake-up call to both Kerem and Yunus that, look, you guys might be Turkish, but look, we got other options on the field, whether that's Kazimjan, 19 years old, that we just brought in, or that's Emre Dostemir, who was playing as a bench player at Gerasen Sport last season. So you are right. far from guaranteed, and you have to pick it up. And I kind of did see that in Kerem last week, but uh, not so much the first half this week. Maybe Kerem is going to be that guy who's energized by the fans and he plays really well at home and not so much away but time will tell it's way too early but um let's see what happens uh, hopefully the best for gala do, do mm -hmm. you have uh, a more clear opinion on that or not really i mean i can just see possibly i i mean at this point maybe his only hope is competing with kadam on the left side yeah. And, you know, maybe getting a chance that way, because as of right now, I Rashidza is not going anywhere and that much is clear. So mm -hmm. we'll see if he ever gets a chance somewhere in this season where he can start on the left side ahead of Kerem. And mm -hmm. honestly, it only takes one time. Yep. Really like he it only it only it, it just takes one chance for Okan to just give him and say, here, you can play on the left side, start. He knocks it out of the park. And then Okan says, okay, hold on a second. You know, let's try that again next week. And that just snowballs into you being the start, the left-wing starter, right? So Yeah, and that's, that actually that, makes mm. me wonder real quick, John, before we move on to the next question. Mm. I mean, we're kind of assuming that, you know, Rashika is just going to play right wing. I, I believe it was Sali or somebody else in the past. They said that Rashika can play on the left as well. And given Kerem's not-so-convincing performance last week and mm. Barish being on the fence, I suppose... Would it be all that surprising to see Rashika play on the left and Yunus on the right? Because, listen, as you just mentioned, Yunus came... Actually, maybe we didn't get to it yet, but Yunus scored when he came on and it was declared, you know, uh, right. offside or something. So that's kind of convincing, I would suppose, because he kind of won that ball on the right side. You mm -hmm. know, he, he kind of pushed the effort across. I think it was maybe uh, for his own goal, actually. I, I kind of forget the situation, but... You know, would would that be surprising for you to see Yunus on the right and Rashika on the left maybe next week or going forward? Actually, I mean, yeah, you just reminded me. Uh, Rashica's his main position is left wing. He does that. That's his main uh, position. It's on the left side, either left mid or left wing. Okay. So, uh, so I mean, I could I could see it. 
I could see it. I don't think we should just sleep on Yunus already. You know, I, I think it would be nice to, to see that. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit of a trade-off. Like we have to, we have to think to ourselves as of right now, Rashica's playing on the right side. That gives him the opportunity to play the ball into the box a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing that. And almost yeah. every time he does it, it looks dangerous. Almost every single time, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, if he plays on the left, we probably won't. I'm not sure what kind of quality he has in his left foot to play the ball into the box, but we might see him cut in more and start shooting. And that's something I'd be interested in seeing because I have a feeling he can be a little bit fiery in those areas on, on top of the box with the ball on his right foot. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. We'll see what he can do, but... Like you mentioned, Yunus came on, he actually scored, and unfortunately it was offside or, or there was something where they called the, the goal back. Um, but I don't think we've seen the last of Yunus, and I do think he should be given a, a chance. So For sure. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. It's interesting. Um, I wanted to bring up as well, this may come as a surprise to you, but our highest rated player in the match was Sergio Oliveira. Um. He had a uh, sofa score gave him a 8.9 rating. Is that surprising? How do you think he played? I, I, he's always, he's one player where I'm always seeing uh, mixed opinions on Twitter or in our own uh, circle. There's always some people that say they don't like him, get him off the field. There's other people that say he's amazing. He's pretty good in my eyes. But is that surprising to hear he was rated so highly? I am a bit surprised, honestly. Uh, when you said that, I was actually shocked. Um, I had to do a double check myself, and <laughs> that that definitely is the case. In case I was looking at a different website than you, but it, you know, eight point nine best rated player, second closest looks like Leo Dubois and Emin Bidom at seven point nine. And the reason why I'm surprised is not because he played a bad game per se, but he. Throughout the game, and I don't know if this goes into statistics calculations at all, but he tried playing a lot of unnecessarily difficult balls behind multiple defenders mm-hmm. that just did not work out when there were much simpler passes to be made instead. And another thing that you know I'd like to throw into the consideration of my comment is he played the number eight this game. He, he was not the number 10. He was... The guy that sits or plays in front of your number six, your CDM, and behind your number 10. So he's mm-hmm. still a very important core player of your midfield duo, where the next layer behind you is your center backs. So I would expect, and you know, you tell me if I'm wrong, um, but a number eight should play a little bit safer. Not as safe as a six, but not as risky as a number 10 either, because a number 10 could lose a ball. That's They're mm-hmm. either going to make that crazy pass or they're going to shoot or try and take a dribble and it's okay if they lose a ball but the number eight should not be losing and i just i just you know i had this comment in my mind as you talked to me about his rating and i just compared the two so sergio had 16 possessions lost that game mm-hmm. Dries mertens who played the number 10 had 12 possessions lost mm-hmm. so sergio had a whole what 30 percent more possessions lost than our number 10 while playing the number eight I don't like that. Against against this team, maybe it was okay. They're not the best team in the Super League. But when your number eight starts losing that many balls in the midfield when they don't need to, that creates a lot of potential counterattack. That creates a lot of, you know, overall a, weak, a seemingly weaker midfield. And you're going to get outplayed that way. So I'm not sure. Did, did he have an assist? What, what do you think? Like, do you think that ratings deserved? I I thought he still did well. Don't get me wrong again, but like to have a, our best rated player that game, I'm not sure considering he didn't assist or score. Usually those kind of like boost your, you know, overall rating, yeah. but that's not the case either. So I know you like Sergio and I, you know, I'm, I'm curious yeah. what you thought of his performance overall besides just the rating. I thought he had a an okay performance. I mean, he also had, he completed most of his passes as well. Like he had 87%. Sure. Um, I, I, like, I like players that, um, I want to say players that keep possession, even though in this match he did lose the ball, you know, a few times. I, I think that he's good at that, you know, for the most part. And I like players that can uh, do a good job at, at sort of being the link between 
uh, when we're building out of the back and transitioning to attack. And I think he could do both of those well. That's why I like him. Mm-hmm. When we're building out of the back, I don't feel nervous when he has the ball in those dangerous areas. Like if you can remember it, and yeah. you know, it, it's a, it's sort of two different positions I'm going to compare, but sort of the sim- same idea. If you can remember when Thailand lost the ball last season against Trabzon and they scored, yeah. I know it's two different positions, but when Thailand plays anywhere in the middle of the pitch, I feel nervous. Yeah. And I don't know when he's going to make a really big mistake that costs us a goal. I never feel like that when Sergio has the ball or when he's on the pitch. And um, that's what I like about him. I think he can, he, he's just a good sort of balanced player, like link up player that can just link the, the, the two, the, the defending and building out and the attack. So I don't think he's a player that you're going to see too often on the score sheet or in the assist column. But I think he's just a player that's going to just, con- you know, give us some control in the match, right? So that's why I like him. And like I mentioned on the last episode, or maybe it was the last time it was just you and I, he's very different than Midsho. And Midsho does things that Sergio can't and vice versa. But I think just in terms of like control, I would prefer Sergio Oliveira. And maybe if I needed to, you know, push the pace a little bit more, I would use Micho. So it's two different players, you know, for different scenarios as well. But I'm, I guess I'm a little bit surprised to see he was the highest rated player, but I did think he played well for the most part. Yeah. Um, and another thing as well, that sort of, I guess everyone was really pulling their hair over this. I mentioned when, when I introduced the match, the 35 shots. Mm-hmm. And it was, this match was almost comical in how we couldn't score. It was either our players missing easy chances, 100% goal chances being blocked, or Viviano making some ridiculous save. Yeah. Do you think, how do we improve that? Like, do you think that Okan Buruk really needs to start, you know, hammering down in training and, and really getting the most out of these attackers in front of the net? Or... What is it? Is it a mental block? Like, what do, what's going on? Was it just a bad day in the office? What do you, what do you think? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when Okan receives criticism, you know, the people who back Okan are going to say, what do you want Okan to do? Be on the field and score those goals instead? That's mm-hmm. a very valid, you know, take on it. That's mm-hmm. It's not fair to call out Okan for that. But, you know... It, when something happens consistently and you clearly have what is known to be professional and skilled players of huge value, you would say, okay, at a certain point, I do expect some sort of change. You know, you, everybody can have a bad day, but when you have bad days with finishing consistently, I think there's a greater cause to the root of the problem. And that's when I revert to whoever's in charge. And in this case, that's Okan. I'm not going to call out Okan here today and say, look, Okan, why are you, you know, having our players shoot 35 times and only two of them being goals? I'm not going to say that, but I will question and say, what are we doing in training? Are we not spending enough time finishing? Are we, is there a discipline problem? And I think this is kind Mm -hmm. of where I feel more comfortable making criticism is the amount of discipline that these players have when they're on the pitch and they're trying to finish. Um, And there's a lot of examples of this too, but you know, I, I really wonder what is being done. At the end of the day, we're not going to be able to ask Okan and there's not going to be some Q&A platform for us to be like, Okan, why is our players not finishing? But I I hope that this gets, tri- you know, turned around. You know, some people are blaming it on a curse, you know, saying this team is cursed. Do you remember Fatih Tedem's era before he got fired? You know, same thing. We were <laughs> attacking, attacking, attacking and not finishing our chances. And at the same time, at, at then, I said the same thing too. Why are we consistently not finishing these chances? And why are other teams who have way less opportunities than us scoring more goals than us? One game, okay. Two games, okay. But, you know, 11 games so far this season. And it's the same thing over and over again. You have players on other teams individually scoring more goals than us as a team collectively. That's just, I, I can't. I can't accept that, and a lot of right. a lot of fans don't accept that. You can you can have fifty, a hundred chances. I don't care if you're scoring one or two goals a game and missing a hundred times more. That's not acceptable. Somebody needs to take accountability for that. And you know, I'm not calling for anything, 
but it's it's a serious question a serious criticism where you know i i i don't know i you're a coach what 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 do you do john you know in this situation a team with 40 shots on you know and two of them go in one of them took a deflection yeah and another one was saved and took a lucky bounce you know when i play fifa with my friends you know, we call that a bullshit goal because it just took a <laughs> stupid ass deflection right to the player yeah. that took the shot, and you finish. That's what happened. Yeah. You know, what's going on with that? Is is that okay? What do you, what do you do to change that? Yeah, I mean, well, for sure, like the the question needs to be answered. What's going on here, and how do we fix it? Because there's no way we won't become champions when we're taking 35 shots and barely scoring two. Like you said, it's one of them was just a bullshit FIFA goal where it's just bouncing all over the place, <laughs> and we just score right. So that's a big issue. Now, normally I would look at the situation in, you know, for, for this game in particular, and I would say they went a man down, perhaps they dropped a little bit deeper and they were just trying to hold on and that can cause issues, right? But I feel like the chances that we had were good chances. Like we had good chances to score, but we just couldn't do it. Either the quality wasn't there or the player just missed or it was blocked and stuff like that. So I, I really feel like we had the chances to score at least, I would say, two more goals, like a 4-0 game. I think, you know, that would be, you know, that would match our performance. But um, it is an issue and I think it just needs to be worked on a little more, like just the composure in front of the net and just the the quality to finish. And when you spend the amount of money like we did and you look at our attack force, in this game, for example, we had Kerem, Mertens, Rashica, and Icardi. And I think what we expect is for almost every game to look like um, the game that we played before, where we got, uh, sorry, who was it against, where we got sent off, Sasha got sent off, and who was it again? Was it Alanya? Uh, Alanya, yep. Yeah. I almost expect us to look like that every week, because in mm-hmm. that game, everyone's quality was showing. It looked like we were going to score eight goals that game before the red card and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next week, we can't put the ball in the net. So it's something that Okan has to figure out and hopefully we figure it out fast because we have Fener- Fenerbahce that are scoring, you know, several goals a game. We have Besiktas who just brought Shenel Gunesh back and they scored five goals last game. And then we have Galsarai who barely scored two against a 10-man Fatih Karagumruk. So... It's a little bit alarming considering the players that we have and Okan should uh, definitely try to figure that out, man. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, I mentioned Besiktas, they're on the menu. They're up next. What are your expectations for that? Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a tough match for us. I think, uh, you know, it's. I think we're going to win. I'm just thinking how we're going to win at this point. You know, is it going to be a convincing game? Is it going to be one of those games that, you know, uh, it's close? Is it going to be a one nothing, 2 nothing? I'm not sure. I'm sure the result's going to be similar to the last time we played at home against Pishitash, which we were fortunately lucky to be at when it finished, yeah. what, 2-1 it was. Yeah. So that, that's what I keep thinking about this entire week is as he, like, highlights of, like, the scoreboard and everything, our experience there, which was amazing. But uh, Pishitash, they scored five goals. I think it was today, uh, Monday, and you know I watched, or maybe it was yesterday. I forget. Maybe yes, it was Sunday. Yesterday, yeah. It was yesterday, right? They yeah. looked somewhat convincing. They did play at home, which is obviously a huge factor in it. But they got you know Chanel Gunesh, and he had them play a two-striker formation. Um, I'm not sure if they'll play the same way again away versus us next week, but uh, they got some very good players uh, who, on their day, can definitely be a threat to us. But you know. Even everything we said, all the criticism aside, you know, even in- included, I should say, all the criticism included, I still think we are a very good team. And at home, we are a different animal as long as there's not outside factors that affect us like the refs or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. With that said, we, we should win this game. Besiktas so far, I mean, yes, they did just get Chanel Gunesh. They're going to get that new coach boost. We're still a very good team. We still have every reason to prove ourselves and to our fans, especially the 50,000 that are going to come on Saturday, that we are a title contender. And what better way for Okan Buruk to prove himself that this co- this job is his than to win against Shannon Gunesh and Besiktas yes. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm hyping, I'm creating this, 
you know, this story, you know, that sounds like it's going to be a nice little fairy tale, but oftentimes we're getting disappointed this season. Do you see us being disappointed Saturday? How, how do you feel going into this? I mean, I feel like this has to be a statement match for us. Just like you said, I feel like there's a statement to make, not only for the team, for Okan Buruk specifically as well. And um, it's a match where with a good result, we can let the, the league know that, you know, we're, we're here. Like we need to be taken serious and, and we, can, we can have a real shot at, at winning the league, right? Um, now, some things to keep in mind. As of now, we're ranked 11th in the league in, in goals scored per match. It's 1.3. Besiktas are ranked second. Um, so they've they've had no issue putting the ball in the net so far. But like you mentioned, we are a different animal. We're a different beast at home. And I personally think that's going to be the deciding factor in this match. I think it's going to be really close. But I think that we, we're, we're going to get the three points at home. And it would just be a huge statement, man. It's It would be huge for the morale of the team. Um, and for Okan Burek, it would be a big success as well. Now, Besiktas have brought back Shenel Gunesh, which, you know, always for maybe the first two or three games with the new coach, the team gets a little morale boost, especially bringing him in, you know, well-known figure in the club. Same like when we've brought Fatih Terim back all 10 times, 40 times, however much it's been, we've always <laughs> had that boost, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm really excited for it. I hope that we can put on a good performance at home and and make that statement and uh, and see how it goes. Did you um did you want to make a prediction for the match? Uh I mean I'm always gonna be optimistic, so I'll probably say something like you know, three one or two nothing. Uh, I predict a two goal difference at least and a win. So whether that's you know two nothing or three one, we'll see. But I guess I'll say that much. How about you? I'll go with uh I'll go with a one nil win. And one I'm gonna nothing. just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take an extra step. All right, very optimistic, really optimistic. But I think that, and also if I get this right, I don't know what to say. I'm I'm a genius, but I think we're gonna win one nil, and I think that Sergio Oliveira is gonna score on a set piece on the free kick to give us the goal. Interesting. If that happens, dude, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm a psychic or genius, whatever whatever you want to call me, but I can see it. I can just see it in my head. So. Listen, I, I hope you're right about the Sergio scoring from a free kick. I'm like dying to see this still. And it's only a matter of time before he does. But something tells me that our main striker, Mario Cardi, will score on Saturday. You know, it, it just feels right for our big name striker yeah. to get his first like legit goal, you know, in a derby at home. Can you imagine the hype, the scenes, oh. the excitement from that? I mean, he's been playing well, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, not to have yeah. a whole separate conversation now. But like, I think he's been doing well. He's he's playing involved. You know, he's not just there waiting for the ball to come to him. He's playing involved. He's getting into situations and players are trying to find him too. So I think I think Saturday is the day that we're going to see Cardi score his goal and send a little message to somebody uh, potentially watching. <laughs> yeah i would i would really really love that for him to score and for that message to be sent that would be beautiful but yeah. uh yeah i guess i guess we can wrap up then if if there's nothing else you have to mention no um, that that's that's it for me man all right all right cool well thanks for uh thanks for joining skipping out on the trick-or-treating appreciate that <laughs> And uh, thank you to all of our listeners as well for listening 34 episodes deep. Uh, you can follow us, all of our socials at the Lions Den GS. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Halloween. And we'll talk to everyone after the Derby. Take care. Peace. Peace.